0: listening to the pharmacy podcast network since 2009 the pharmacy podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio join us at pharmacypodcast.com or subscribe on apple podcasts spotify google or any of your favorite podcast directories you are listening to beyond the sig a prescription for transformative pharmacy care Season two of Beyond the Sig is supported by the Pennsylvania Department of Health in partnership with the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association. Funding was provided through the Preventative Health and Health Services Block Grant from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The contents of this podcast are solely the responsibility of the presenters and do not necessarily represent the official views of the Pennsylvania Department of Health or the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association's podcast, Beyond the Sig, is a proud member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
1: Hi everyone, welcome back to the second season of Beyond the Sig podcast, giving a shot about diabetes. My name is Rachel and I'm hosting today's episode along with my co-host, Isabel. I am very excited to introduce our guests today. Today we will have joining us, Dr. Kristen Archibald. And she began her career as a clinical services provider at Westtown Pharmacy and Princeton Drug shortly after graduating from ETSU College of Pharmacy in Johnson City, Tennessee. Kristen is passionate about safely and effectively managing diabetes or disease states, uh, community service, patient advocacy, and educating patients on their medication regimens. Kristen now serves as the Chief Operations Officer and Director of Clinical Services for Westtown Pharmacy in Princeton Drug. She is also the co-owner of Chinook Pharmacy in Lafayette, Colorado. In her spare time, Kristen enjoys traveling with her husband, caring for her five pets, and visiting with her family. So we are so excited to welcome you today, Kristen. How
2: are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me.
1: Yeah, of
3: course. Isabel, how are you doing today? Pretty good. I'm really excited to talk to you, Kristen, about your DSMES, and particularly about the role that you have at the Independent Pharmacy, because I think it's something really special.
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Awesome. so I guess to kind of get us started off, um, Kristen, do you mind telling our listeners maybe a little bit more about yourself, like how you first got involved with DSMES, um, you know, how you became interested in diabetes education and then tell us what your role is now. Yeah, of course. So
2: I will start with, you um, I'm from, I'm not actually from Eastern Tennessee. I live in Eastern Tennessee now, but I'm from a, a little a city in Western North Carolina called Asheville. And I initially, I'll, I'll say that my like love for DSMES stems from me wanting to help underserved populations. So this passion kind of began, you know, growing up in Asheville. Asheville has a ton of community service, a ton of, you know, outreach opportunities. And um, when I was an undergrad, I did volunteer hours at a charitable pharmacy in the area. So that is where I started these interactions with more underserved populations and learning how to communicate with them and learning what their needs were. So I took, you know, those experiences with me throughout pharmacy school and when I graduated pharmacy school, I just got this amazing opportunity to, you know, basically develop and implement clinical services at the stores in Johnson city. Um, and it's, you know, grown into this, this job where, you know, I'm able to focus on business development and, integrating all of this into workflow. Um, And I guess I was initially introduced to DSME through our owner, Julie. So she had started doing DSME at a previous pharmacy that she worked at. And so when I came on board and she said, what are your passions? What are you interested? And I said, you know, educating, educating people, educating the underserved. She told me about DSME and um, we kind of took it from there. And I'll say like, I was also have this passion specifically for diabetes education because, um, my mom has diabetes and she was diagnosed when I was in pharmacy school and she was very much, here's the diagnosis. Good luck. And there wasn't. There just wasn't education on she didn't receive education on what she needed to do what what do these numbers mean what what does she need to eat like what lifestyle modifications does she need to make and so you know i knew going into this there was a huge gap in um in like the resources available to people when they get that diagnosis and for us being pharmacists and being you know good or bad the most accessible healthcare provider, this gives us a way to provide healthcare, but also bill for it. Um, so it was kind of a, you know, a thing that I was like, yeah, we absolutely have to pursue doing this. Um, and just kind of took it from there. It's crazy
3: how much the world of diabetes has changed. I know even just 10 or 20 years ago, the amount of new drugs that have came out and so many more options, so much more education. So it's so beautiful to see like your story of, you know, how usually, you know, we get into pharmacy or we get into certain areas of pharmacy because of our family, because it's touched us in some way, shape or form. And and I think I mean, that's the reason why a lot of us have gone into pharmacy in the first place. Oh, yeah,
2: absolutely. I would say, like, you know, the personal experiences you have will affect the way that you practice and what you want to focus on and the way you treat patients and connect with them. So um, those have been huge for me.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what your DSMES classes look like? Um, You know, how do patients hear about your classes? Are these group classes? Are they one-on-one? Are they virtual? Are they in-person? You know, those kinds of things.
2: Yeah, so most of my classes are in-person. I did a couple virtual um, during COVID, but I, Personally, I like the in-person aspect of it. Um, I like to be able to see, you know, the patient's face and their, you know, you just pick up on body cues that you don't, you might miss virtually. And there's also a lot of the um, a lot of the patients that I serve are are incredibly underserved, and they they might not have access to technology that could provide a virtual platform. So I've not pursued virtual classes that much. Um, but I've loved the like one-on-one, like, and the group, like face-to-face ones that I've done. I have worked with, um, a fellow at Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. Her name is Michelle Rapier, and she has helped me with this whole program tremendously. But one of the things that she helped me with was trying to figure out how how to get referrals. So how are we going to let our patients know that this is a service that we provide? Um, So she developed this wonderful staff training program and we put all of our staff members through it. And the training program covered like what is DSMES? Like how do you have that conversation with the patient? Like if they're calling in refills for their diabetes medicine and they're calling it in really soon or way too late or they just got test strips, but they need more test strips because they're flying through them. Like how can you identify that there might be a problem here? And how do you have that conversation with them of hey, we have someone who can help help you learn how to manage your diabetes. So my staff went through this training and it was great. And so what they do now is when they have an encounter like that with a patient, whether it's one of our pharmacists or one of our staff members, they start the conversation of, um, you know, we can offer this, this service to you. We can look and see, you know, if your provider will refer you to us for this. We can see if your insurance covers it. Are you interested? And then we can kind of go from there. So a lot of the referrals we get are from our own patients. Um, One of the big initiatives that I've been working on recently is essentially marketing to providers offices and letting them know, hey, we have this. And your patients that are being hospitalized all the time because their blood sugar is really high or their blood sugar is really low, I can help them. And it's um, it's kind of ironic that we're doing this today because no lie seriously, I had lunch at a provider's office today and I told them, I was telling them about, I didn't even go there to talk to them about DSME. I went there to talk to them about some other services and they were like, oh, you do diabetes education. And I was like, yeah. And the provider looked at me and was like, I have about a dozen patients I need to send to you. And I was like, do it. (laughs) Like, let's do it because we can help. Um, so I am starting to market to providers. Um, As far as one-on-one or group, when you get the referral, when a patient is referred to you for um, diabetes education, you are are supposed to have them do like an initial one-on-one session and then go into a group session unless they need one-on-one for some other reason. So if they have, you know, transportation issues, if they have, um, you know, other disparities that might make being in a group class a difficult thing for them, or, you know, the learning environment's not going to be as good and they really, or they need just additional, you know, a lot of additional training, then you can the provider can specify that, that this patient needs one-on-one training. Um, Or we can also request that the provider specifies that and say, you know, I really think this patient would benefit from one-on-one sessions. Can we get a referral that, you know, says that? There's a low-income living facility in Johnson City that I go to once a month and do diabetes classes at. And um, I'll have maybe seven to 12 patients come to each session. Oh, that's awesome. That's a really large number. Honestly, they're like my favorite people. (laughs) (laughs) They are. They're great. They're, um, they're just really cool people and they have really cool stories. Um, but the group sessions, the group sessions are really fun because I try to get I try to get like, I'll take students a lot, like pharmacy students a lot, or, um, some of the, you know, other pharmacists that I have will take students and I try to bring the students and I'll try to get the students to like, okay, this month we're going to work on healthy eating. Can you come up with an activity for everyone to do revolved around healthy eating? And it's just, it's so fun. Cause we did like, I had this student and she was, the best student ever. And she, I say that about like all my students too. Cause I get really good students. <laughs> um, she made like cut out. She, she like had a, she brought paper plates that were divided into like a big portion and then two small portions. And then she cut out and laminated fake food and had them, and the activity was for the patients to build their meal um, with foods that they like that they eat, and make it fit into basically the plate method. And so that was the activity, and I thought it was really cute, and they really liked it. And um, it was just a nice little hands-on thing. So, That's so that was creative. Yeah, I was really happy with that. I am hoping that I will get a student one day do like an exercise routine in front of everyone. That would be great. <laughs> I'm a certified personal trainer, so I guess I could come out to Tennessee and help you so, out with that. Come to Tennessee. We'll do like a, a um, like being active session and you can lead a little like a little like workout. Class yeah. We could do great. like chair aerobics or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, they would love it. They would love it. They'll, sh- they like show off. They'll be like, I learned a new, like, cause some of them go to physical therapy. And so the group, the group sessions are really cool because they can like learn from each other. So if I have one person in the group, who's talking about, like, oh i go to physical therapy they'll like demonstrate their moves to everyone else it's wow, really cool that's so, so sweet <laughs> sorry but <laughs>
1: awesome um so you have talked about you know working with underserved populations that is definitely something that i'm very passionate about as well Um, Throughout my time in residency, I've had a lot of opportunities to work with just really vulnerable populations, low-income populations, and I've definitely been able to see that they have, you know, a very um, unique set of challenges and also different social determinants of health that we really have to take into account when providing diabetes care and education, so I don't, I don't know. Could you speak on, you know, your experiences with that? Any insight that you might have with that? Any specific like challenges and barriers you might see, um, especially with underserved populations?
2: Yeah, um, I will say like it can be very hard trying to teach and educate underserved populations depending on what the specific healthcare disparity is. So, you know, if it's, because it can range from, you know, lack of transportation to financial to, um, you know, ability to read. And so there can be a lot of things there. So I guess I would say the first thing that you need to do is figure out what that patient specific barriers are. you know, if they have a transportation issue, as far as um, DSME, DSME, I've you know gone to patients' houses to do to do sessions. I've obviously gone to the facilities, all of that stuff. So there there are ways that you can overcome those barriers to have the class, but you have to think about it too. As um, let's say there's you know. There is a transportation barrier, so, and you know this patient has a hard time getting to the doctor's office. Your session that that day might not be going over what blood sugar goals they have. It might be how are they going to get to their next doctor's appointment. No. So you have to be incredibly flexible with what you're doing. And if they come to you and they say, I have a problem with this, or you recognize that they have a problem with something, you need to address that and not, don't ignore it and don't just move on with like, well, I need to check off, you know, this list of things that we have to get through during this this session. You know, if they say, you know, I have a hard time reading nutrition labels, then let's take a step back and look at like, what are some solutions for that? Is is there you know, are there vision issues or are there reading issues? Do they have, do they have a support system? So I guess, um, I guess my biggest advice for that would be treat the patient. Don't, don't treat the number. Don't try to check things off of the list. You have to treat the patient.
3: I will say, I think The students that I get on rotation, I guess because we're just like such type A pharmacists that they come on rotation and they're like, you know what, I have like all of these boxes that I need to check and they feel the need to check every single box. And I'm like, but like the patient is right here in front of you and they just told you that they have so-and-so problem and you just completely like did not recognize that or address it. So I think that's something that I think students struggle with and I think even as new practitioners, sometimes I need to like stop myself and be like, yeah, this was supposed to be about physical activity, but they need more help with nutrition. So let me step back and have the dietitian take the lead on this one. So I think
2: this is a really great yeah. point that you bring up. Oh, absolutely. And you know, that was something that um, they, they recently changed the like national standards for DSME. And so, and then in the, in, in them doing that, they basically were like, let's take a step back and let the provider figure out what is the best thing that they can do for this patient at this point in time. So yeah, you you cannot forget that. Like I had a session, I think I had a session a couple months ago that was supposed to be on, I think it was supposed to be on like reducing risks, like reducing long-term complications. And we spent the whole session planning how this patient was going to take her diabetes medications when she traveled overseas in two months. Cause she came in and she was like, that was her biggest concern was I need to go overseas and I'm on multiple refrigerated medications and I'm on medications that I have to take with food and I don't know what to do when I travel. So we spent the whole session doing that. And um, she looked at me and she was like, that was a lot more helpful than Because I think I made a comment about like, well, maybe we'll do like reducing risks next time. And she was like, yeah, that would be great. I just really needed to get this down because I wouldn't, I wasn't going to be able to focus on anything else. And so, I mean, yeah, it's just, you have to, you have to do what's best for them right then and there.
3: Absolutely. Um, That will kind of, I guess, take me into something that I'm curious about for your classes or What do you think is kind of the key into making your sessions be the most successful that they possibly can? I know some other um, podcasts and episodes that we've had on, um, we've had some people say that they like share the PowerPoint with the patient ahead of time and they find that that really works for them because the patient comes in with their questions already. So I'm curious if there's anything that you found to be extra successful.
2: I don't typically, I don't typically use PowerPoints um, or I haven't, I haven't used PowerPoints in my sessions. The way that, the way that I structure my sessions, um, I use a lot of the handouts that ABCS provides. And a lot of the times I will go off of, you know, bas- basically these handouts that they provide are, um, focused on a um, like a healthy behavior, and it goes through a couple different topics, and they're usually like one page front and back. Um, and so, I provide that to the patient and kind of go through, use that to kind of kind of go through the handout and focus on areas that you know I feel like they need, or you know if there's something else that they need during that time, we'll go through that. But one of the things that love doing and I think they like doing is activities. Like I, I try to include activities in this, whether it is, you know, if it's a session where we're going through your medicines, I want the patient to walk away with an updated med list and not just of their diabetes medicines, but I want them to know what all their medicines are. And they have that med list. They have the indication they have their provider on there so that, you know, there are things that they are doing and they are hands on and involved in the session. So it's not like a one it's not a one sided conversation. It's, you know, I'm going through a couple things with them and then discussing it with them and getting their feedback and their thoughts and um, trying to kind of do some learning activities along with it. There's this like one activity that I have them do when I have them do healthy coping it's a, I give them a sheet that has like examples of positive affirmations on it. And if it's a group class, I'll have them read, like, you know, can each person read one out loud? Um, But they are things like, I can find balance in my life. I'm strong. um, I can start healthy habits stress is leaving my body, like just positive affirmations. And I make them read them out loud. And then I make them highlight or circle ones that they relate to. Mm. Um, So that is my like all time favorite activity that I have them do that has to do with, you know, healthy coping and diabetes.
3: I want to steal that so bad. If you give me the permission, that is so sweet. And I love positive affirmations and especially oh, yeah. in a group setting that is so sweet and so encouraging.
2: Oh yeah. Like I feel like half the time I'm more of a therapist than a pharmacist. Wow. Yes, for <laughs>
1: sure. I've definitely felt
2: it. But, but like there's just there's so many emotions that go along with having diabetes and those are things that you have to address and you have to work through so it's the the whole healthy coping thing is one of my favorite one of my favorite sessions altogether.
1: yeah that's so important um so i know that you have touched on a couple stories here and there and you've mentioned some of your awesome patients Um, but I love asking this question. Can you tell us your favorite patient success story?
2: Yeah. So my favorite patient success story is, is, is of probably one of my favorite patients ever. So he came to me for, he actually didn't come to me. His wife dragged him to me (laughs) for diabetes education. (laughs) And. They came together and she said he had gotten diagnosed with diabetes and he was in a hundred percent denial that he had diabetes um, like i had the a1c in front of me i had his like i had just taken his blood sugar and he was like i do not have diabetes and his wife was she was she was there and she was like I can't handle this anymore she was like I don't know how to support him I don't know like I just we just argue and it was like it was truly becoming a scenario where I think it was causing like a rift in their marriage Mm -hmm. and so we went he did every single session he did all 10 sessions he brought his wife every single time and she is my absolute one of my favorite people too she would come with like a binder and take notes the whole time and (laughs) it was the cutest and um he went from Not believing he had diabetes to admitting to me that he was terrified of having diabetes and why he was terrified of having it because he had known so many people in his family, so many people in his life who had had it, who had lost their mobility, lost their ability to be with their family and their, you know, I mean, he was a very active person. And he, he did a lot of volunteering and there was, there was just so much that he didn't want to lose. And he thought that being diagnosed with diabetes meant that he was going to lose all of that. Um, he also had a tremendous am- amount of guilt over having diabetes. Cause I remember at one point he looked at me and he's like, are my kids going to have it? Huh. And it was, I mean, it was heartbreaking. Like the whole thing was just absolutely heartbreaking. So fast forward, we did all these sessions and he's, um, you know, a year later, he finishes everything. His A1C has gone down below goal. He's, he had lost, I think like 10 or 15 pounds. I mean, he was doing great. Um, he started a, a like diabetes support group in his church. Mm. Um, it was, I mean, it was, he really like took everything that we learned that, you know, I taught and he learned and he just like, he just like went with it. And he just like dove right into it. And his wife was right there. And I loved that. Like I love when patients support system come to the sessions that is so important to me. Um, but yeah, he was my favorite and I actually got to see him the other day and he was like, are you staying out of trouble? And I was like, no, (laughs) um, but yeah, it's, he, he was great. I have, I have several, but I think he was my, he was my first big success story. And so I think he's holds a special place in my heart.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that story. And I think that really says a lot about you as a pharmacist to, you know, have this patient come to you who's literally in complete denial that they even have diabetes. Too. He was mad. to then, you know, expressing, you know, guilt and all these emotions of being, you know, scared. And then to fast forward, having that person, you know, leading support groups at his church, like that must have taken a lot of time and patience Mm -hmm. and motivational interviewing and just you know, talking with them, talking through all those issues. So I think, I think that really says a lot about you as a pharmacist and as a leader in DSMES. Um, and, you know, I, I've loved hearing all your stories and um, you definitely have a lot of valuable experience Um, So I guess for the last question to kind of wrap things up, what advice do you have for new pharmacists like me and Isabel who are just kind of getting started in this field of diabetes education and management?
2: So the first piece of advice I would give you would be to be patient and be persistent because, I mean, it took us over a year to get accredited. It has taken us, and we've been doing this for years, and we still are like, all right, well, how can we keep growing? How can we, you know, I mean, it's it takes a lot of time. Um, so be patient and stick with it. The next thing I would say would be, you have to be familiar with your state's Pharmacy Practice Act. Mm-hmm. And you need to be familiar with your you know your state's medicaid's um mcos and your do you have provider status in your state um you need to be familiar with the whole credentialing and contracting um process you you need to learn about like billing codes and diagnosis codes and different billing platforms and what documentation you need to hold up against an audit. Um, How do you check on the status of a claim? Once you've done a session and you've documented it and you've sent the, you know, form 1500 to the, the payer, how do you check and see, like, did I actually get paid for this? And then, you know, what am I supposed to get paid? Can you look up your like Medicare allowable? So there's a ton of, I guess I would say like, billing credentialing and contracting stuff that you need to be familiar with if you're going to you know implement clinical services um and that is super intimidating and very daunting because we don't most pharmacists do not learn about that um most of the time you know you have resources but you have to like I know for me and I know for Julie like we had to teach ourselves all of this Um, But, you know, we used, we use ADCES as a resource. We have, for our stores, we have RJ Hedges and they're a wonderful compliance resource. Um, Use, you know, NCPA, CPESN. If you're in Tennessee, use TPA. Use the Tennessee Pharmacists Association. Um, So use your resources and, you know, talk to other pharmacies who are doing this and other pharmacists, but you're going to have to, you know, take it upon yourself to a certain extent and learn about learn about this billing. And if you can get help from, you know, a residency program or a fellowship program or a school of pharmacy to, you know, give you someone to help track some of this data, that can be really helpful too. Um, so I guess you'll have to do a lot on your own, but reach out and get a support system for all of this if you're going to do this.
3: Thank you so much for bringing up so many awesome resources. I was just about to ask you, and then you went right into it. So there's a lot of great resources and a lot of organizations that can help with anyone that's interested in starting up DSMES or figuring out the billing and credentialing and all that. And that's just as important as the classes themselves.
1: Mm -hmm, Definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Kristen, and just thank you for sharing your DSMES experiences with us today. Um, I know Isabel and I really enjoyed having you on and just hearing more about you know your unique practice site and working with underserved populations and hearing you know all of your advice. Um, it was yeah so awesome having you on this podcast. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our DSMES series, Giving a Shot About Diabetes. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Beyond the SIG. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and others on the Pharmacy Podcast Network on any of your favorite podcast directories.